You're listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. It's uh, Psalm 91, verses, uh, I'm going to read 9 through the end, 9 through 16. So start Psalm 91, verse 6. The book of Psalms should be easy to find because it's like right in the middle. If you just flip it open, it should be a psalm. <clears throat> a little trick I, I learned to get to the psalms quick. <laughs> Listen to this. Psalm 91, verse 9. It says this. If you make the most high your dwelling. Did you hear that? If you make the most high, if you make God your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. And why is that? Verse 11 says, for he will command his angels. Everybody say angels. So we're talking about this morning, kind of a random topic, but I think an important one that's throughout scripture. For God will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a a stone. You will tread upon the lion and on the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. I will call, he will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with a long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let's pray this morning. I've asked Cliff to, to come forward and just start us off in prayer. Yep. All right. Lord, we come before you today, and we just ask for your presence here in Sunday School. Open our hearts and our minds so that we can learn more about you. Uh, Please speak through Joe and bless bless his words and bless us all here. And let us bless you by learning more about you today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Cliff. Um, when I first got saved, it was, it was like I got saved in high school. It was like my first year of college. I was really scared and intimidated by like witnessing to people or talking. Witnessing just means talking to someone about Jesus, kind of telling them what you believe and sharing with them your story. I was very intimidated about that. And I, um, I was talking with this girl one time that was just came from a Christian background, but she was she was she said something like, "I don't know that I could believe in a God that lets bad things happen." And usually when someone says something like that, they're, they're usually in a place where something, something has, has happened to them or to someone they loved. And they're, very, they're really questioning, can a good God still love me? Can a good God allow this horrible thing to happen? And for her, it was that she was, in, she was a freshman in college and her friend that was a, also a freshman in college died in a car accident, tragically, just suddenly. And it was her best friend that died and this girl, this girl passed away. And so this girl that I was talking to was just very disillusioned with God and said, you know, why would God allow my friend to die? It just wasn't her time. I can't believe in a God that would do that. And so we began to talk and just had a conversation about, like, what she believed in and, you know, kind of why God would do that. And I, I didn't have an answer back then. And even now, like, still, you know, that why would a good God allow bad things to happen to good people? I don't know that when, when someone says that, I don't know that they're looking for a theological answer. And you're like, well, let me tell you about uh, free will and predestination. And let me tell you why. I, they're not really looking for that. They're looking to tell their story. And, and, and so I told her, which was what I would tell her now, that, that our God, we don't know why exactly bad things happen to, to good people and why God would allow that. But I told her God is with us now and that God is dwelling with her and, you know, I, I just kind of said, you know, if you're crying yourself to sleep or whatever at night over, you know, the death of your friend, Jesus is right there with you. And we began talking. And she said, yeah, I don't know that I could believe in God. So I kind of asked her about her spiritual beliefs. And she said, well, 
Um, and she, she, she began to tell me the story that she was somewhat embarrassed to tell that she, after her friend had died, her, her friend, after the funeral, a few days after she went to the gravesite, kind of spent many hours there at the gravesite, and the afternoon turned into an evening and the sunset, and here she was in a cemetery at night, and she said she saw some lights. And she said, I couldn't tell how far away the lights were. I couldn't tell if they were right in front of me or if they were off in the distance. It was just weird. And then she said, I thought I heard voices calling my name. And I'm just like, whoa, weird, okay. Um, and, and, and she was telling me this. And she said, I've been going back to the grave every so often, a couple times a week at night, going to a cemetery at night, because she thought that these lights and these voices she was hearing were, were the, she said, I think it's the guardian angel of my friend who died, and now the angel doesn't have anyone to look after, so the angel's talking to me, is what she said she thought was going on. She said, I think it's the guardian angel of my friend. And I was just like, what in the world do I say to this girl? Here I am, like, new, new Christian, new believer. I'm just like, uh, uh, uh. And I, my first reaction, my initial reaction was, baloney. There's no lights. There's no voices. You're just, you're either making this up and telling me, or you're either seeing illusions because you're full of grief and your tears and you see lights because your eyes are watery, whatever. I mean, that's what I wanted to say because I was just like, so like, really? Like the angel, what? Really? And, <laughs> and I just wasn't sure what to say. And luckily I, I, I think I didn't say that. I didn't discount her or discredit her because I believe that the spiritual realm is real. And as, as a brand new believer, I had enough thought to, to not go down the road and just say baloney. You know, that's not really happening. Baloney. <clears throat> but I had enough reason to say two things, which even as a new believer, I surprised myself. I must have just been a genius back then is what I figure. <laughs> but I said two things, which are probably two things I would, I would say now. The first thing I said was, well, how do you know this, this angel, if that's what you want to call it, was good or if it's bad? Like, what if it's a bad angel or what if it's a bad spirit? And you're going there and visiting this bad spirit at night in a cemetery. I mean, a little freaky deaky, don't you think? I mean, like, who goes to the cemetery at night? Like, just weird. You don't do that. Um, <laughs> even like goth people, they don't do that. That's just weird. Uh, they just talk about doing it. <laughs> but so, so I said, well, maybe the spirit, maybe the spirit is just, uh, maybe it's a bad spirit. And then I said something that uh, really resonated with her. And I said, well, well, where do you think angels come from? And she said, well, I guess God created the angels. And so we got into this conversation about, it seems like you're going to this graveyard at night and you're, and you're kind of worshiping this, this light and this spirit and these voices that you think you hear. So you're kind of worshiping that. Don't you think you should worship God and not the, this created being or whatever? I mean, I, I just called and I just let her, you know, say what she wanted. I said, if this is an angel, then it's a created being. And why are you worshiping this angel when you can worship God anywhere? You don't have to go to freaky-deaky graveyard at night and worship this angel. Like, you could worship God anywhere. She said, yeah, I, I, guess, I guess you're right. And in that conversation, maybe a 30-minute conversation, she decided, I'm not going to the graveyards anymore at night to worship this little light show. And, and it was just, it was really cool as a new believer to, to see someone tell, like, that my words had power and that, that I said, you know, I just, I just kind of questioned what she was thinking and believing. And it's just something that, that I think is is good to do. Like what, this whole topic of angels and demons that we're going to talk about this month, there's a lot of freaky deaky things when it comes to angels. And people just like to make stuff up about angels and demons, to be honest. And so we're going to look at that today. We're going to see what the Bible says about angels specifically today. Does that sound good to everybody? 
I mean, where else do we go to, to find out stuff about uh, spiritual stuff? We go to the Bible. So we're going to go to the Bible a lot today. But before we just dive into this topic of angels, and then, by the way, later this month, we're going to talk about demons. We're going to talk about spiritual warfare all this month. It should be a good and freaky-deaky uh, Sunday school topic. <laughs> it, I'm just joking around, people. It's, it's okay. <laughs> Anyways, if you're brand new to the Mill Sunday School or to the Mill, the Mills are meeting on Friday nights. It's we do worship. It's it's our own service for college and twenty somethings. Uh, you may have filled out one of these the first timer card. Um, if you haven't, or if this is your first time to Sunday School, you could fill out one of these, just your name and stuff like that, and uh, give it to the people here at uh, the front booth there, and they will give you a CD that has uh, a few songs on it and some some worship. <laughs> And a welcome sermon on it. So if you're new, these should be on all your tables. You can fill that out. And uh, I got something else that's really cool to announce. I think I've kind of been like leaning towards this way, maybe like in in my conversations about like Sunday school's kind of crowded. I mean, look around for just a second. And you're like, I don't, I don't even have, you don't even have, if you want to go to the bathroom, you're like, I'm I'm stuck, right? You're like, I need to crawl under tables to get out. (laughs) As I see someone like, dude. Anyways, we're a little crowded in this room. Like the food, it's hot in here too. Is, is anybody else hot? This, this, so next month, we're peacing out of this room and we're going to be in the main big chapel. Yes! So the globe is out there. Like the, You can look out and see the mountains. It's like double the size, at least double the size of this room. So we'll have room for the food and more people to come. You won't have to crawl under tables to get out. And uh, so that's on the horizon. September will start. September, I think the first Sunday is September 7th. And so that Sunday will be in the big room. There'll be signs everywhere so you won't get lost. But doesn't that sound sweet? It sounds cool. I'm excited about that. But I'm even more excited about what God wants to teach us this morning about angels and demons. And so I'm going to race this because I'm going to get some notes out. If you got your uh, your handout this morning, we call it the skillet. That's short for Sunday school millet. And uh, on the back of that, or on the inside of that, I guess, is some notes. And the first thing I want to talk about is the spiritual world. Because what we're talking about all this month is angels, demons, spiritual warfare, stuff like that. And it's a very Sunday schoolish kind of lesson that we're going to get in here. And as, as the Mill Sunday School, if you're newish, we, we take topics and kind of doctrine pretty seriously. We get, we get to know, into, we get into Scripture, we look at Scripture, we kinda, we're kind of heady in here, kind of nerdy, if that's okay to say. And um, so that's what we're going to do. So the spiritual world, there's kind of two reactions that people have to the spiritual world. Reactions. One reaction to the spiritual realm. And when I say spiritual realm, I'm talking about angels, demons, cherubim, seraphim, spirits, uh, just stuff like that. Freaky deaky stuff. And so there's kind of two reactions that Christians and non-Christians have alike to the spiritual realm. The first reaction is NBD. You know what that stands for? <laughs> yeah. See, it seems like everybody, everybody knows that, right? Is it common knowledge or is it not common knowledge? NBD, right? <laughs> it's okay to yell in here. You could just be like, yeah, we know what that means. <laughs> Anyways, NBD, no big deal. So to one reaction, reaction number one, NBD, that, that the spiritual realm is, uh, is just either no big deal or either doesn't exist. And sometimes even as Christians, we can say, you know what, there's me and there's God and that's all there is. And you're just like, well, if you look in the Bible, there's, there's this whole realm of created beings like angels, demons, spirits that throughout the Bible, throughout the word of God are in there. 
And so to, to totally neglect it and say, oh, it's, it's absolutely no big deal to the extent that it doesn't even exist, I don't think is really a Christian, a Christian perspective that we should have. And um, like someone might overreact. Like I think sometimes it comes from like you see someone that's like overreactant to the spiritual realm. So there's the other reaction is R-R-B-D. I think I just made that up this morning. <laughs> really, really big deal. <laughs> is what that stands for. I think I made that up. But you can start texting that and using that with your friends as you're text messaging. But uh, RRBD, really, really big deal. And, and someone might be like, and maybe you have friends like this that are either non-Christians or Christians that are like, oh, the spiritual realm is the biggest deal as far as angels and demons. And they, they might live in Manitou Springs, Colorado. Um, <laughs> And by the way, there's nothing wrong with living in Manitou Springs, Colorado. Because it just so happens that me and my wife, we really like Manitou Springs, Colorado. We're not like weird, like going to the crystal shop and buying uh, the other day. Like, so there's like Manitou, if you know Manitou Springs at all, there, there's like the main strip of, of, of uh, shops and they're all like knickknacks. And uh, uh, like, I mean, if you want something for your grandma, you're like, what am I going to get grandma for Christmas this year? <laughs> Yeah, you go to Manitou and, like, the main, the main strip on Manitou. But then, like, behind the main strip, there's all these, like, you can buy, like, literally, you could buy, like, wands, like, wizard wands, and you could buy, like, crystals. You could buy, like, a real alien skeleton, like, skull. Um, uh, like, all right, whatever. And it's, like, this whole shop of things. And it's just, like, a really weird people, besides me and Erica, that, uh, <laughs> that are, like, weird spirits. They're almost like a leftover from the hippie generation. Like, somehow that never left Manitou. And so uh, me and my wife are there, though. So we're, we're, we're doing what we can for the spiritual realm there um, as far as Christianity is concerned. But some people might overreact and say, you know what, the, this whole spiritual thing, I'm just going to break it down to NBD and just say it's just me and God and kind of forget about the spiritual realm and, and just kind of ignore it. And I don't think that that's a biblical response that we should have. I think the spiritual realm is clearly throughout Scripture something that's real. And so we're going to fall today somewhere in between NBD and RRBD. Um, and so the RRBD, <laughs> the really, really big deal people that, that are like all about the spiritual realm, um, like I just don't think, I think sometimes they get into something that's called dualism. That might be a vocab word for today, is that they'll, they'll get into a, a dualism. Maybe I'll write that on the board so you can see it. Uh, dualism. And a dualism says that there's good and evil constantly warring against each other. And the dualism would say that the good and evil are equal and opposite forces. Like there's good angels, bad angels, which is true. And they're constantly warring. And the outcome hasn't been decided yet. You know what's wrong about that? Well, God, God is already, you know, like God is on the side of good, right? And his powers are infinite. So the side of evil is like a drop in the ocean compared to the good, infinite powers of God. Did you know that? And on this earth, there are bad spiritual beings. And we'll get to that later this month. Today, we're just talking about the angels, the good guys. Um, but we'll get to and talk about the, the, the bad, evil spirits. And they have power. But compared to the power of God, it's like a drop in the ocean. And so people that have this, like, this RRBD, really, really big deal emphasis on the whole spiritual realm, then saying that it's like a dualism of constant equal and opposite forces fighting each other, that's just not true. It's not seen in Scripture that they're equal and opposite forces. But the spiritual realm, um, I mean, in our culture today, it's pretty common to find people talking about angels, right? I mean, how many of you watch Oprah? 
right? I mean, Oprah, Oprah will constantly talk about angels or guardian angels or, or you're, oh, you must have, you, you, you survived that mir- miracle thing and that car accident. The angels must have been watching over you, right? Is what, is what Oprah will say, what a lot of people will say. Angels are a pretty safe subject. And I, I almost wonder, like this is kind of a side note, but if we're witnessing to people, witnessing meaning like t- telling people about our story, that what, how God has changed our life, maybe a good point to start, like a starting point, might be like angels. Be like, you know what I learned in Sunday school this week? Um, I learned about angels. And you're like, your non-Christian believer, uh, non-believer friend is like, really? Wow, cool. Whereas if you start off with, let me tell you about Jesus and the four spiritual laws. They might just be like, dude, I'm, I don't want to learn about your God. But if you like a, just a beginning point of angels, I think it's a fascinating subject to non-Christians and for obviously for Christians alike. This idea of um, angels and the spiritual realm is real. Like I'm reading this book right now called uh, The Story of Google. And so it's a business book, basically. I mean, it's just kind of a cool, I just, sometimes I read cool stuff like that. It's called The Story of Google. It's about the two guys right out of college. They dropped out of college. They dropped out of Stanford because they believed in this new search engine called Google, which ranks its search engine. So if you type in news and hit enter, it doesn't come up with like some podunk high school newspaper, but it comes up with, I think like if you type in news, I'm sure like CNN would be like one of the first ones because it's ranked the highest because lots of sites reference CNN. And so these Google guys have a story about how, you know, they got their business and how they had this idea and how Google's like the sweet, really cool business right now. Um, and, and we've all heard of it, right? <laughs> Some people have. Um, so, so in this book, what's fascinating is that there's this whole chapter, like here's this business book about the story of Google, and there's this whole chapter, a secular book written by a secular artist, our secular author. It's about two guys that are not Christians, and there's this whole chapter dedicated to their experience. So the, the, the two founders and like their small company as they first began went to the Burning Man Festival in the middle of the, I think it's the Nevada desert somewhere outside of Reno. If you've heard it, have you, has anybody heard of the Burning Man Festival? So basically it's like the secular festival. I mean, it really represents like, I mean, just like Old Testament pagan worship is just what I picture. Cause like everybody kind of lives together over this long weekend. I think it's like Labor Day weekend, like 50,000 people last year came. They kind of set up, they have this, little village who kind of all have things kind of in common like oh i got tons of water but i don't have enough water oh let's all share and so it's, it's a precious little event there um and then there's in the middle middle of the town is this giant like wooden man like out of wood made out of wood and on the last night the last day they burn it down and as soon as it like comes crashing down everybody takes off their clothes and starts doing drugs and like running around crazy and worship this burning man <laughs> Dead serious. <laughs> and, and, and it's like a spiritual awakening. There's talk about angels. There's talk about um, spiritual crystals, UFOs. It means in the middle of the desert and all this weird talk. And what's so weird about the festival is that it ends up in the story of Google, this business book that I'm reading. And it's just so fascinating that our culture, I say all that to say that our culture is totally fascinated with the spiritual realm. And our culture as a whole thinks that the spiritual realm is RRBD. Really, really big deal. So what we want to do with this whole month is to really lay the foundation and say, here's what the Bible says about angels and demons and the spiritual world. Does that sound fun? 
It's that, it sounds good to me because I think sometimes we just like think about angels and we're like, oh, I think angels are cute. And I think we all have guardian angels. And you're like, oh, yeah, that idea sounds precious. And then, and then just ideas just start flowing out of like, like Dante's Inferno, that, that book that was written a long time ago, or Milton's Paradise Lost. People just have ideas about archangels and stuff that may not be true. And so let's go to the Bible, figure out this whole angel deal. Are you ready? Yeah. Woo! All right. Thank you for screaming. Uh, who are, so in your notes, introduction to the spiritual world. We kind of just did that, two reactions. So we're going to look at who are angels, the role of angels, and then hopefully we'll have time to get into the question of why did God create them? This overarching question that I've kind of had all week as I've been preparing for this message about angels. And so first we will go to who are the angels? And if you want, you can turn to Colossians chapter 1. Verse 16. And I, I think it's really cool to, to have your own Bible, to bring it to church, to bring it to a place like Sunday school, and to read it in your own Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, please take one of the ones that are on the table. And I really think it's cool to, to underline, to write on your Bible, to highlight your Bible. And so if, you, if you've brought in like old Bible that grandma gave you, and you're like, man, this Bible means a lot to me, um, like that's cool and all, but but maybe, maybe that Bible belongs on a shelf and you should have like an everyday Bible that you're comfortable with writing in and marking in because the book of the Bible, like we call it the Holy Bible, but I really don't think it's holy unless you read it, unless it enters your head and enters your heart. And that's how it becomes holy because we don't worship a book. We worship God, right? Right. And so the book helps us worship the true God. And so it's better to like know the Bible. And I think writing on your Bible, highlighting is a really good thing. Turning to it, reading it from your own book. And so Colossians 1 verse 16 says something that I think angels fit into. It says this. It's talking about God. For by him, all things were created. All things. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, we think that those things might be angels, like authorities, spiritual authorities. It says all things were created by him and for him. So where do angels come from? From God. They're creations. They're created beings from God. It's not like there was once this time when nothing existed except for God and his angels. No, at one point, the angels didn't exist. At one point, the angels were created. At one point, there was nothing in existence except for God himself. God, you know, it's, you know, with the phrase in the Nicene Creed, God from God. It's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but it's just because it's a mystery. God, there was never a point in which God didn't exist. And so God always existed. And at some point, he created the angels. And there's talk about when he created the angels. And some mystery over that because it doesn't directly say. But if you want, you could turn to Job. That's the book of the Bible right before Psalms. And Job 38 is a very interesting chapter. Job 38, you could turn there. And this, chap- this whole chapter is kind of God talking to Job and God saying, like, where were you? Who are you? I'm God, you're not. This whole chapter. And it's a pretty, uh, God's really putting Job on the spot, kind of like, where were you when I created everything? Where were you when I did this? You don't have any power. I have all power. And the only power that you have is power that I've given you. And look at Job 38, verse 4. Uh, Job 38, verse 4 says this. Uh, just talking to God, talking to Job. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? It's, uh, God's being a little sarcastic, obviously. Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Who laid its cornerstone, cornerstones while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Do you see that? Verse 7. 
It's like, where were you when the, the earth was created and the angels were there shouting for joy? So when were the angels cre- created? I don't know, for sure. It seems like as right before the earth was created or I don't know, maybe some time before the earth was, the earth's foundations were created. So the angels have been around a pretty long time. We could probably say before humans were created, angels were created. And um, it's just an interesting fact. And, and next week we'll, or I think the week after maybe, we'll get into the talk about demons and how I, I think that the Bible says that the angels, that the demons are fallen angels. Have you heard that before? And so I'll show you some scriptures that kind of says that and that the angels, that the fallen angels, the demons came from angels. So we could, we could surely say, point number one, if you're taking notes, is that angels were created by God. Who were they? Well, they're creations from God. And so in relation to humans, kind of the next set of notes or the next point I want to give you is, is if they're created by God, where do we come from? I guess you're just like, I don't know what to say. My mom, God, I don't know. Uh, I don't know where you're going with this. I'll tell you where I'm going with this. We are also God's creation. Angels, God's creation. Humans, God's creation. So where do we fall in the whole humans, angels thing? Are we better than angels? Are angels better than us? What's really going on? Well, there's a verse in Psalms that's also quoted in Hebrews. So if you want to turn there, it's just turn like five pages. You'll probably be there. It's Psalms, uh, Psalms 8. Verse 3, Psalms chapter 8, verse 3. And it's, it's uh, I believe it's David. Yeah, it's David writing the psalm. And David says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. Verse 4, Psalm 8, verse 4 says, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him, that's us, made humans, a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned them crowned him with glory and honor. And then the book of Hebrews says that that's also a reference to Jesus, that Jesus is a human being. He's human and God. But humans are created a little lower than angels. And so we look at this, this whole idea of, okay, we're a little lower than angels. And it's kind of like, duh, obviously. I mean, angels are spiritual. They have power. They're often seen as like mighty angels. They're often seen with, you know, protecting us and helping us. They have the power to do so. And so humans created a little under angels, right? No big deal. But then it says this. And so flip all the way to the New Testament. And then, and then we'll kind of take a break from all this flipping around, just in case you're worried about that. <clears throat> First Corinthians 6.3. It goes... Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians 6.3. And it's just a random little verse in here talking about the the power we have as believers and how to judge one another because we're given authority. Authority and powers are put in place on this earth to judge one another. That's a good thing. And and uh, 1 Corinthians 6.3 says, Do you not know that we will judge angels? And so here's a verse that, that we will judge angels, that we're not going, that we're not now judging angels, but we will judge angels. So the point in which we are now, humans on this earth, Mill Sunday School, 2008, here we all are. Angels have obviously more power than we do. They're in the know more than we are in the know. They, they are sinless, uh, we think. We, they, are, they are mighty. They are spiritual beings. They have more power. But there will be a point in which the redemption through Jesus Christ, we will be seated in heaven with God and that we will get to judge the angels so that we will then be above angel authority. Kind of cool. But for right now, angels are above us. And so this whole thing, the two points thus far, that God created angels and that he also created humans and that right now, at least, angels have a higher 
position in the, in the structure of heavenly and earthly beings than us right now. The question, another question I had was, how many angels are there? Good question, don't you think? How many are there? Well, there's no, there's, yeah, there's a whole bunch. There, Revelation, um, in the book of Revelation, I think it's Revelation 5 somewhere, uh, it says that John sees angels, and his exact phrase, if you want to look at it later, you can, it's Revelation 5.11, says that, then I saw 10,000 times 10,000 angels, and thousands and thousands of angels. Saw thousands and thousands, and 10 times, 10,000 times 10,000. How many is that? Do you know what 10,000 times 10,000 is? It's a billion. There's a bi- I mean, I mean, if this passage is literal, which it may or may not be uh, exactly literal, but it's like 10,000 times 10,000 is a billion. And then he goes on to say, and thousands and thousands. So there's like a whole bunch of angels. You know how many a billion is? Sometimes I try to get my mind around it. I was like, what's it like if someone had like a billion dollars? Like, what's that mean? Like, I, I don't, my paycheck isn't anywhere near a billion. So I'm not even sure what that means. Like, what's, what's that mean? And so I looked on the internet as like some, some analogies of a billion. And it said that a, a, a billion pennies. And so if you have a penny, I thought, I think I brought one. Dang it, I don't even have a penny. Dang it, so sad. Uh, if, you, if you were to put a penny on the table and then start stacking pennies, you're like two, three, four, five, six, and you get up to a billion, do you know how high you will be? It, it, the, 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 the earth is here, and then above the earth is like the satellites moving around, and they usually move around at like uh, 225 miles above the earth. If you were to stack a billion pennies from the ground up, it would go up a thousand miles. Like a way, that's like a really big ladder, like above the, <laughs> above the satellites. You'd be stacking pennies. So imagine like that many pennies but their angels like spread all over the earth doing god's will um and doing a bunch of things that we're going to get to about their roles in a minute but there's a whole bunch of angels and i just see that that passage shows us i mean even if it's not literal there's a bunch of angels and so the if everyone ever asks you how many angels are there you could be like dude a lot <laughs> would be the correct answer they have spiritual bodies in your notes if you're taking notes um the next thing we know about angels that they is that they don't have human bodies, but they have spiritual bodies. But they often take the form of a human being. There's examples in the Old Testament where an angel will appear, and like to Abraham or to Lot uh, or to these various people, and it'll just be like another dude, like a traveling dude. And he like shows up, and he just kind of gives some advice, and then he just kind of leaves, and he's like, man, that was an angel. And it'll describe this person as an angel, or a group of angels will come and visit with someone. And so the angels take the form of human beings. Everybody look around and be like, man, there could be angels in here. We wouldn't even know. Like, oh, here's this guy sitting here. He's a new guy. He didn't fill out his card. Maybe he's an angel. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> I was sitting in Starbucks preparing this message, and I just, I was like, like, really, like that thought like really hit me. And I was like, man, maybe there's like angels here in Starbucks as I'm preparing a message about angels. And I kind of looked over, and there was like this guy looking at me, and I was like, weird. <laughs> and and he's kind of a weird look. So just imagine like in Starbucks, I, he, he had flip-flops on, like really like tight shorts, like running shorts, and he had a muscle t-shirt on, and he was kind of muscular, and I was just like looking at him like, he could be an angel. I don't know. And, but then I thought, I kind of looked at his haircut, and he had a mullet, so I was like, nah. <laughs> Angels know enough to not have mullets. <laughs> but for real, I mean, 
for real, like angel throughout the Old Testament, uh, and maybe there's a New Testament example of an of an angel appearing, and they're in human form, and you, you just think they're just another like just like homeboy, and and they're, you're like, man, here's another guy. He's just you know chilling, coming to Mill Sunday School, and here he is, an angel. Like that's. That's kind of cool to think about, that God does that. And then there's this random verse. You've probably heard, maybe you haven't, but I've heard this ber- verse before and never really saw it until I was studying this week. And I was like, oh, there's that sweet verse. So turn to this one. It's in the book of Hebrews. It's in the New Testament. It's like maybe halfway through the New Testament. I think there's a song about entertaining angels. Do you know that song by the Newsboys? Entertaining angels by the light. That's Hebrews 13. I just sing while you're turning there. No big deal. Uh, Hebrews 13. The point is to love each other. Uh, we, the author of Hebrews, a lot of, a lot of people think it's Paul. Not exactly said, though. Is that Paul saying, love each other. Take care of each other. And Hebrews 13.1 says, keep on loving each other as brothers. Do not forget to entertain strangers. And what he means by that is maybe in your Bible it says something like, else like show hospitality to, to, to bring in, to feed, you know, to shelter strangers. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained str- angels without even knowing it. That's pretty cool, huh? Like you see some homeless guy, and you're like, dude, where are you from? And he's like, nowhere. <laughs> you're like, what? <laughs> you're like, Here, here's a buck. You're weird, man. It's like, maybe he was an angel. I don't know. I mean, it, it, it says that. Like, who, how many times have we, you know, entertained angels? Or, like, I, I, I used to have a, a friend. This, this lady actually used to lead a, lead a small group. And I went to her small group. And she said that she, she was convinced one day that, that her car broke down. Her, her, I think her tire popped or something like that. And this guy stopped and helped her change her tire. And he was kind of wearing all white. And she was convinced, like, afterwards that that was an angel that came and helped her. Came and helped her. Is that possible? Sure, why not? I mean, the, the angels appear in the Old Testament. Angels appear. Uh, Hebrews talks about entertaining angels, you know, loving one another because sometimes maybe we're taking care of an angel. Who knows? It's just kind of cool to think about. Have you ever thought about that? You're like thinking about it right now. You're still like looking around like, is that guy? <laughs> I've never seen him before. <laughs> so they have, uh, they have spiritual bodies. Sometimes they appear as human beings. Uh, I heard the other point I want to give you before, uh, just in the point of who are the angels, is they have orders and ranks. And uh, so I think the Catholic Church like has this big like list of like orders and ranks and archangels, angels, angels over uh, areas and principalities, authorities. Uh, I don't think the Bible is that clear about exactly how the order and uh, hierarchy of angels is poured out. There's two angels um, named in the Bible, and only two. I thought there was a lot more, but after I researched, there's only two angels named in the entire Bible. Do you know their names? Yeah, Gabriel and Michael. And only one of them, you'd think that both of them were archangels, but only one of them is, is directly named as the archangel. Do you know which one? Michael. So Michael the archangel and, and Gabriel, we just think he's like a really cool angel because he's named. I think, which one comes to Mary? When to the, the virgin, yeah, Gabriel comes to the virgin Mary. Gabriel means God's hero. Uh, and Michael is mentioned in Daniel. And he's also mentioned in uh, Revelation 12. It says that, Michael and his angels fought the dragon and the dragon's angels. And guess who wins in the end? Michael and his angels? Come on, obviously. The good guys. I mean, I mean, you just have to picture this really big point today that, that if we're, as we're talking about angels and demons, 
that the demons, the power that demons have, where did they get that power from? Like, where do the demons are also a creation of God. Any, like, power that they have is allowed or given to them by God. That they don't have anything on their own. They didn't create themselves. That they, that, that their power is like a drop in the ocean to God's power. And so that, and so that's, uh, that's a point to remember that we do not believe in this dualism between equal and opposite powers of good and evil. So anyways, going back to the order and rank of angels, it seems, it seems to be like there's, there's like big, powerful angels like Michael, maybe Gabriel, and then there's like little angels, like, you know, little guys running around, haven't worked out yet, not drinking their milk, um, not very strong. <laughs> it just seems that way uh, throughout the Bible. There's, there's powerful angels and, and, and different hierarchy of angels. There's also two creatures that you may know of uh, throughout the Bible, the cherubim and the, and the seraphim. There, there's these, and they're both the type of creatures that hang around God's throne. The seraphim are like big and bad and they're above the throne. They have all these wings, like different pairs of wings. And I think that's the only time in which the, the wings of an angel are talked about. And we can always just, don't you like picture, doesn't your mom have like little angel hummels and precious moments things? They always have wings, right? <laughs> At least my mom does. Um, and if your mom doesn't have some, you can go to Mount, down to Manitou, pick some up for her. Uh, <laughs> so angels are always pictured with these wings, but I think that's the only passage. Someone could research that, but I think that's the only, in Isaiah, there's this par- passage about seraphim that have all these wings, these different pairs of wings on their bodies. And I think that's the only passage that the angels have wings is mentioned. And so maybe they all have wings, maybe they don't. I don't know. And the drawings always have wings, so maybe... The drawings are right. Maybe they're wrong. I don't know for sure. Maybe, I mean, think about like the spiritual body. They don't have like real bodies. So like, do they need wings to fly around? It's like, no, they're spiritual. Maybe there's no air in the spiritual world. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Um, you Air Force guys know that you need air for the wing to work, right? Yeah, no big deal. So the cherubim, the seraphim, they're, they're angel-like creatures. I mean, they're just, they seem to be these created creatures that are just made to, to be by the throne of God constantly, day after day, um, forever and ever, worshiping God himself on the throne. And it just seems like, man, they were created, they're created being to surround God and just worship him. And it's just kind of a cool, I mean, we, we are created for, for so many things on this earth, you know, friendships, relationships, community, to also worship God, uh, to explore and invent. We're created with all these, you know, desires inside of us for community and one another. And, and, and these beings, the cherubim and seraphim, it's just a fascinating thing to think that they're created to just be around the throne, worshiping forever and ever and ever. And I was just thinking about, like, does anybody like to go hunting? Any guys or girls hunting and have, like, these hunting dogs? And hunting dogs are just bred from, like, Two months old, hunting dogs are just like ready to go. They're either ready, like golden retrievers. They're called that because they retrieve stuff. I mean, there's not much. You see a golden retriever. I mean, even as a puppy, you throw something. What do they do? They just go get it. They just what? They, you don't have to teach them. Like when I throw this, you're gonna have to go get this. And maybe they need some training and like re- coming back. <laughs> but they just go get stuff. And, or there's like the pointers. When they smell something cool, they just point at it. I mean, that's what the, you, there's just they just do that from like little puppies. They're just created to do that. These cherubim, these seraphim, just created to do that. Angels in general are created to do certain things. And we're gonna get to the roles of of angels in just a minute. But before that, we do that, I just throw a note in there that that angels obviously are not that angels there's all these omni words you know the omni words of god that god is omnipresent meaning he's everywhere he's omnipotent meaning he yeah he's all power he's omniscient meaning 
He knows everything. We don't th- I don't think angels have any of those abilities of all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere, because they are created beings. Angels have limits, and, and they're, they're, they're given a lot of power and authority. Um, that in Mark 13, 32, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to, that Jesus says that, you know, God, only God knows when the end will come. The angels don't even know. So obviously they're, they're limited in their knowledge. But then, but then in like 2 Samuel, it talks about the wisdom of the angels. So obviously they're really smart, but just not all knowing. 2 Thessalonians uh, declares that the angels are mighty angels. And so they have all this power, but they're not God. They are creations of God. And there's this, this fascinating story. You could turn to this one because I'll read it. Uh, in Revelation 19, Revelation 19.10 is, is the whole book of Revelation is this, this story of John being ushered and brought around through heaven and seeing all these different things going on. And Revelation, the last book of the Bible, chapter 19, almost the last chapter, 1910, says this, um, says that at this, I fell down at his feet. I, actually, let's start in verse 9 so we know what's going on. Verse 9 says, And the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these words are true words of God. And so John falls down. He says, after this I fell at his feet, an angel's feet, to worship him. But he said to me, do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God! Exclamation point. For the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. So basically John falls down to worship this created being. And what does the created being say? Oh, don't don't you dare! Don't do it! Stop! Don't worship me! Worship God! Exclamation point! And so this last point of of who the angels are is this this going back to this idea that they are created beings. They have spiritual power, more power than we have, and yet we're not to worship them. We're not to like to pray to them. We're not to venerate them. They're not God. They're creations of God. So that's that point there. So that's the that's who the angels are. Let's look at the notes and the roles of angels. Would you? I think you already know probably a lot about the roles of angels, what angels do. Would you make a quick list with yourself or with some buddies at your table? Um, what do angels do? Sounds fun enough, doesn't it? What? This is the que- it's an easy question. What do angels do? What are the roles of angels? Get to chit-chatting. Ready, get set, go.
Oh, the wings, that's right. Does everybody have some uh, some good roles of angels? I'm sure you got quite a few. How many of your groups, raise your hand if you uh, put down messengers? Yes. Did you know that the word uh, angelos in the Greek means messenger? And so their very name, angels, means messenger. That's one of their most important roles of giving uh, messages. And throughout the Old Testament, they bring messages. Uh, there's a few times in the New Testament, they bring messages to people. Um, and so, number one role, messenger. Number two, uh, I put down, uh, how many of you put down executing judgment? Like the angel of death. Um, like we just looked at the, <laughs> everybody's like, oh, that doesn't sound fun. Uh, that angel, that God is a God that is a judge. And, and sometimes it's described that angels carry out that job of God, of the good justice the good meaning like it's, you know, part of God's will to, to be a judge. And so there's the angel of death in Exodus. There's the other random passages where angels um, kill people or angels put it, you know, do bad things to people. Good angels carry out the good judgment of God. And that's because that's God's plan. How many of you put worship God? That's a good one. Angels worship God, especially cherubim, seraphim, which can kind of be lumped into that spiritual good angel creation, creator, creation of God, that they worship God. Um, how many of you put help and protect us in some way? Like either like guard or they um, help or comfort. That's one of their main roles. I was looking all the first part of this week. I was like, actually last week as well, I was really trying to find a book about angels. And I went to Barnes and Nobles and they were, I was like, do you got any books about angels? Like, oh man, come to the, <laughs> he said, come to the new age section. Let me show you something. I was like, no, 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 no. I want like a, like a Christian book about angels. He's like, Oh, and he starts like, t- <laughs> yeah, he starts typing and, and we, I, we found this book that he was actually excited to show me because it's written by Billy Graham. I mean, you guys know Billy Graham, right? Um, I didn't know that Billy Graham wrote a whole book about angels, but it's fascinating what he does. He doesn't just start making up stuff about angels like lots of other cool books do. I guess not cool books do. Um, but he, he just goes through scriptures and says, angels uh, do this. And here's all the scriptures. He says, angels protect us. And he shows us like all the scriptures where angels protect. And then he shares some stories. He kind of opens it up with uh, this. Billy Graham says, during my ministry, which is just an amazing ministry, I have heard or read literally thousands of stories. Could it be that all these stories of angels were hallucinations or accidents or fate or luck? Or were they real angels sent from God to perform certain tasks? And then he tells the story that he heard. He said, the Reverend John G. Patton, Mr. Patton, the missionary, a pioneer missionary in the New Hybrids Islands, told a thrilling story involving the protective care of angels. Hostile natives surrounded his mission headquarters one night, intent on burning the Pattons out and killing them. John Patton and his wife prayed all during that terrifying night that God would deliver them. When daylight came, they were amazed to see that unaccountably the attackers had left. They thanked God for delivering them. It says, a year later, the, tree, the chief of the tribe was converted to Jesus Christ. And Mr. Patton, remembering what had happened, asked the chief what, what had kept him and his men from burning down the house and killing them. The chief replied in surprise, who were all those men that were there with you? The missionary, the, the, the chief answered. And they were, 
and then the missionary said, there were no men here, just me and my wife. And the chief argued that there had been many men standing around guarding big hundreds of men in shining garments with swords drawn in their hands. And they seemed to circle the mission station so that the natives were afraid to attack. Only then did Mr. Patton realize that God had sent his angels to protect them. And the chief agreed that there was no other explanation. And so could it be that God had sent a legion of angels to protect his ser- servants that were in need I think so. Uh, have you heard stories like that before? Uh, maybe some, I've, I've asked some like people during the week, like, have you ever seen an angel? And some people have random stories. Or have you ever seen a demon? And some people have random stories of the spiritual realm being formed here on earth. And, but I think ultimately, I mean, this story is great, but ultimately we get our stories, we get our truth from the Bible. And are there stories in the Bible of angels protecting people or groups of people? Yeah, there are. There's angels encompassing and angels encamping around and circling around or God sending his angels. Um, and so one of the roles of angels is to help us, to protect us. Another role is to encourage us. There's the story of Hagar, Abraham and Sarah's maidservant that is kicked out basically into the desert. And an angel comes to her aid and says, you will have a son. You will have many descendants. He says, go back to Abraham and Sarah. And he encourages her. So angels encourage. Um, and also under that, like this whole idea of encouraging and, and protecting and guiding is ministering. And there's, a, there's a verse in Hebrews. You can look at it later. Just write it down maybe for now. Hebrews 1.14 says, kind of a question, sarcastic question, I guess, in some ways. says, aren't all angels ministering spirits? That angels are sent, angels are created, and part of their role is to minister to us. I just think that's, wow, that's pretty cool. Angels are sent to minister to us from God. And so a question that I had this week is, are, so are we supposed to pray to angels and be like, angels, would you come and minister to us? Angels, would you come and take care of us? And I don't think, I don't think anywhere do, do we see people praying to angels or venerating or worshiping angels, Right? We're, just, we're supposed to worship, we're supposed to venerate, worship God himself, not the angels he sent. So there's passages about us praying to God. God, would you help me? God, would you protect me? And then God sending his angels to do so. I don't think it's right to, to pray directly to the angels, but I think it's right to pray directly to God himself. And God may send his angels. So let's get to that last question as we close. The last question, why did God create the angels? And I, I, ha- I thought that was like my question. Like this whole week I've been uh, researching angels and stuff. I was just fascinated with angels. I probably researched, like I, I kind of counted my hours this week. I was like, I think I, w- I worked on angels and like r- reading this book was obviously part of it. But I think I researched like 18 hours this week. I just became fascinated with angels. And I had this question of like, why did God create the angels? And I thought, man, that's such a good question. I must be a genius to think of that question. No one ever thought of that question before. <laughs> turns out lots of people th- I've thought of that question before and uh, I, so the all these theologians basically it boils down to like two answers if you just want answers like why did God create the angels well here's two answers one is to kind of be a buffer between God's power and us one is a buffer that that there's there's examples of scripture saying that we can't see the full face of God we can't see God himself or else we will will die. Well, we just can't experience God, but we could experience his creation. And so angels being his creation. So answer number one, that we, the angels are somehow a buffer between us and God. And then the other answer, just, you know, throwing out answers. The other answer is almost the, the opposite of that is that, that angels uh, kind of enhance God. And like God is always pictured like in his thrones, cherubim, uh, seraphim, and thousands of legions of angels, you know? And so you picture God like that, that the angels somehow 
um, enhance God himself. And so those are just like two answers to throw your way. And then I began thinking, like, God is God, though. Does he need angels to buffer himself? Does he need angels to enhance himself? Like, I don't think so. God can do anything. And like, as I, as I went through these roles, I was like, can't God himself just protect us? Can't God himself deliver his own messages? Does he need like this, you know, Pony Express? No, he doesn't. He's God. He could do whatever he wants. He is not in need of anything. He is not in need. And then I thought about us, like us as creations of God. Was God in need of us, like to love him? Like, this picture of like a little girl, you know, like wanting a puppy. And, you know, like, does God need us? Like, God, like a little girl needs a little puppy? Like, no, God doesn't need anything. He's, he's God fully in being. And so, like, why did God create us? Why did God create the angels? And I just think it's for, it's not for anything. God didn't need us, but, but yet he creates us. And he, he created us, you and I, and he loves us. And he loves us so much that, you know, we look at the roles of angels and I, I was just encouraged this week that, you know, not only did he create us and he loves us and he doesn't need anything back in return. He, he totally loves us. He freely gave himself on the cross, died and received that punishment for us. He didn't have to. He didn't need to do that. He did, he did it and he loves us. And he, but yet he created us. We're just his creation, you know, just like he's God. We're not. And he, he created us. He loves us. And then he, it seems like the angel's purpose on this earth, they're, they're stronger than us. They're better than us. They're more spiritual, obviously, than us. And yet their role is, is a service to us. I mean, you look at their roles and it's all, I mean, it's all kind of about us. Like, they, they help us. They encourage us. They deliver messages to us. They, and it's like, wow, God, that really says a lot about where we are and who you made us to be. That not only did you create us, not only did you love us, but you created this whole set of, you know, beings to, to help us out and that someday we will be in heaven and, you know, we'll kind of be the boss of angels and that, that, that right now they're, you know, they're better than us, but they're, they're our servants. And it just says a lot about, I think it says a lot about our God, but I think it says a whole bunch about who we are and, and what God has created us to be. And I was just so encouraged this week that, that, wow, God loves me, God, that God sends angels, these beings that are more powerful than I to to serve me when I'm having a hard time or when I need help or protection, that, that God himself sends those beings down to help me. And I, I was just encouraged by that. So I, the last passage I want to read is a, is a psalm. It's where da- David writes a psalm. It's Psalm 103, kind of the ending of it. We'll end with this today. Just a, this encouraging message that, that there is a spiritual realm, and it's throughout Scripture, and that the spiritual realm is... In some ways, angels are, are for us. And they worship God and, you know, God created them, but God doesn't need them to do anything. God doesn't need us to do anything. And yet, he, God loves us. And that God sends his angels for us, sends these powerful beings to serve us. So look at Psalm 103, 19. This is about praising God. Psalm 103, starting in verse 19, says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Amen? Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Let's, Let's praise him right now. Let's pray to him. Father, we praise you right now. 
God, as this psalm just exalts you and says, let all of creation praise you. Let the angels, the heavenly hosts praise you. God, let our souls praise you. Let our bodies praise you. Let our minds praise you. Let our hearts, everything that's in us, everything that composes who we are, let that praise you, Jesus. May our works, may what we do praise you, Jesus. God, we leave the Mill Sunday School excited about the spiritual realm, knowing that you are in all control, knowing that you created these beings and so many of their roles are for us. God, we're humbled by that. We're humbled that you made these mighty creatures to come and to serve us. God, we love you. We praise you for that. We thank you for these, for these beings, these angels that have come to serve us. And so, God, we love you and we praise you. We ask your angels to be around with us and to, to be sent by you to help us, to guide us, to preserve us, to protect us. God, we worship you right now. Father, we love you. And everybody said, Amen.